Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis, and as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Colin. How are you, Colin? I'm good, Dennis. How are you? I'm great. And Craig, how are you, Craig? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm fantastic. That's wonderful. <laughs> this week, we will be kicking off our nostalgia block. So we will be doing blasts from our pasts and covering movies that we were obsessed with as kids, but haven't seen since. This Will we be doing a Blast from the Past? No, we won't be doing goddamn Blast from the Past. Well, who is that? Is that Fred uh, Frazier? National Treasure. I think he's doing Bollywood now. Anyways, <laughs> uh, it'll be kick this episode. We'll be kicking off from my own childhood, and that movie is Stargate. Do we have a year? Nineteen ninety-four. All right, that would put me at eight when this movie came out. I was eleven. Okay, how old are you, Craig? Five. Five. <laughs> Craig's the youngin'. Craig, Craig, Craig's the youngin'. So, uh, God, this movie. Um, Guys, wow. <laughs> uh, let me just say that the first real nostalgia wave hit me in this movie before the movie even started, and it was this. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this score... I just remember so distinctly. No, yeah, as soon as that theme music started, I was just like, yes! Oh, yeah! <laughs> well, it, it's a score by uh, David Arnold, um, who also did a whole bunch of James Bond movies. Oh, okay. So I'm familiar with David Arnold. He's done tons of music for tons of movies. He also did a bunch of other Roland Emmerich movies like Independence Day. So I feel Roland Emmerich it was kind of the formulaic action director of the 90s and uh i feel that this sci-fi epic is a good example of his success i'd say kind of well it did launch what multiple tv shows uh, i'm sure there was like some books you know star wars oh, extended yeah. universe sure. style but i'm kind of really yeah glad that you brought this movie up for the podcast because it it gives us a chance to talk about roland emmerich and we're not <laughs> really gonna do that on a a um, recommendation based uh, movie show because well, let's get some other Roland Emmerich. Movies. Well, let's he let's just let me lay out a little bit about Roland Emmerich. Two years before this, he makes Universal Soldier. Um, then in 1994, he makes this movie. Two years later, he makes Independence Day, mm -hmm. and two years after that, he releases one of the biggest turds of all time. The 1998 Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. Oh my God, he was in that. Yeah, and, uh, he did that. Yeah, he he directed oh. that movie. Um, he also co-wrote um, most of these movies, and then after that, he's just doing all these kind of disaster flicks. He's doing uh, 2012, The Day After Tomorrow. A lot of his movies are very much the same, and this movie and Independence Day are very much the same. Yes, they, that's true. That's very true. Well, okay, let's kick it up. Let's start it up. Um, so, long opening credits. What the hell was that about? <laughs> what was, like, the discovery of the Stargate? Are you talking about the cold open? No, no just the cold open. It sequence. was just the opening. Yeah. It wasn't even a cold open. It was just the credits. And it was playing over this very slow camera work over a sarcophagus. Yeah. Uh, and then I, that came into a scene of James Spader, who's... No, no. It actually... Um, opens with kind of a flashback scene. That's right. That it doesn't just... tie back to anything else in the movie, but it, it opens in 1928 like, where uh, these Egyptologists are uncovering the Stargate 
and we see like the old lady who's in the movie later as a little girl get the necklace that James Spader is going to wear right. and all this stuff. Well, her but father then, is the one who discovers the Stargate. Yes, her father right. is like the Egyptologist who discovers the Stargate, and we cut from there kind of lazily into the modern day where my first time through this movie I was like, oh, wait a minute, when did we jump from 1928 to 1994? You know what this movie, the beginning of this movie reminded me of, and you're probably, I don't know, depending on how you feel about this movie overall, you might hate me for saying this, but I felt like it started just like a rival. Like, it was the linguist who was teaching in front of a class, like, translating something, and then uh, the government guy comes and says, we discovered this crazy artifact that we need you to translate, and we need to whisk you away to the secret location. Yes, yes, <laughs> but this that, that does like, kind of make sense. But just in a, that one, in that one regard, nothing right, else yeah. in any it, other way. But just in that, that one regard, I was like a rival. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because one of the notes I made was that this is episode five of this podcast, and we've already done two movies that feature a linguist, <laughs> and both of them are movies that were recommended by Dennis. So I just Dennis, do you have I, some I, secret I, desire I just, to be a linguist? I get off on you know the words of the people, uh, I guess, and and teaching language. Uh, it's just it's a passion of mine. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but this <laughs> that segues into one of my first notes. That they burn through exposition at an amazing rate. Oh my god, Kurt Russell's beginning. Like, Kurt Russell's son has died from like killing himself by accidental gun oh use. God, like, it's and it's just rapid like, fire. Two soldiers but like sitting in a car talking about it in like one minute, and that's right. the end of that. And that's <laughs> that. One of my problems with this too is that it's not just like this movie. All Roland Emmerich movies do that. Like all Roland Emmerich movies have just these exposition dumps, and sometimes needless ones. He's He's not doing show, don't tell. He's doing show and tell. Because right. we didn't need those two soldiers in the car saying, we didn't need what's wrong that. with him? Oh, his son committed, his son died. Like, we got that from the visual language of the previous scene where Kurt Russell is sitting in the son's room. He's got, like, holding a gun as if he's contemplating suicide and looking at pictures of the son. We're like, oh, Kurt Russell's son has died. Right. Yeah. But in case you didn't get it, we're going to have you two didn't get it. We're going to have some guys shove it down your throat. Explain it to you. Right. Yeah. Their only purpose in the entire movie was to have that line. So, so anyways, we, um, it, it goes to James Spader and he's, like, like we said, he's a linguist and he has this whole theory about about uh, the Egyptian pyramids and when they're built. And he's presenting in front of like all of these uh, these people. These other like academics who right. are like laughing him off, basically. Yeah. And, he, well, he's essentially saying that the pharaohs didn't actually build the pyramids because the time difference of the Right, and, and that there's no and... hieroglyphics on the insides. It's all like hieroglyphics like... Outside of things, but, but inside there aren't any. Whatever, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it torches through through exposition because this scene is followed up by him going out on the street with all with two giant bags of stuff, and he gets into a limousine of the this old, the old woman, the old woman who turns out to be the little girl from the intro, and she offers him a job. Uh, being, you know, some Egyptologist job with secret society thing, and he's but it's, like, it's like a secret tied to the military, right? Thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and it's all you know, convoluted crap. But they drop a recording right in front of him, right? Yeah, with the voice yeah. and no words, yeah. and just and ask him to translate it right. on the spot. Yeah, no. and, and and he goes, "Shut <laughs> <laughs> up! That, that, that doesn't happen in the movie, listeners. If you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway." 
Um, and this goes to it's it's amazing to me because it doesn't it doesn't waste any time at all. James Spader goes, "No, I'm not interested," or something along those lines, and she responds by, "You're evicted, and all your stuff are in those two bags, and you have adopted parents." Like, it's just. <laughs> Oh, well, it's all laid out. He has no ties, so he can go <laughs> off and do whatever, you know? And yeah. it just torches through all of it. Well, it's just like Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. It's, like, the same thing. Right. Yes. Go, go, Roland Emmerich. Um, I found it very watchable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it, it kept me going. Uh, you know, when they get into... Yeah, it's very watchable despite its punishing length of oh, an yeah. hour and 56 minutes. Oh, right. Like, it's... It's, it's very long. long. Yeah. It's a long two hours, too. Um, so well, I didn't... Uh, he... <laughs> sorry, we got to move through this movie. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, obviously takes the job, and he goes to the secret compound, and uh, they show him this Stargate. And no, they show him the tablet. They show, they show the him the tablet. They show him the cover right. stone. Yes. Right. Yeah. And he, like, within a night, deciphers it. Well, he's automatically going in and he's saying, like, oh, these are all translated wrong. And um, Richard Kind is there. Uh, <laughs> Richard Kind, who uh, is in a few movies, but he's mostly known from television. He's a, a guy on Spin City and a lot of other sitcoms and things right. like that. But it was like, oh, that guy who's in everything. Yes. Well, and see, I can see why you might think that this might have happened overnight but there's one quick little bit of exposition where they say it took you 14 days to translate this <laughs> yeah. well it took us two years so like while the scene does cut very much like but, it's happening the next day right. it's actually two weeks later oh, okay. and they James... just do another exposition exposition dump to explain <laughs> that away James Spader goes in and he's immediately like retranslating the work that was done by Richard Kind saying like oh this is all translated wrong you did it from the book of this guy why are they still printing that guy so uh, yeah essentially he does all the translation gets everything except for the last symbol and or no at this point the, they were missing the last symbol and at, at some point like after whatever the two weeks that you were talking about he finds that last symbol and they're like it was right under our noses well, the so whole time the reason the way he finds it is that there's a security guard reading a newspaper called Universe Today and on the front of this newpaper just happens to be a picture of Orion there's up like close. A, there's like an article about <laughs> Orion in the <laughs> newspaper. Of this like, newspaper called newspaper. Universe Today. That's the, like, <laughs> yeah, you remember the, those front page stories in the newspaper about constellations? Those yeah. are a thing, right? And those like, niche-specific newspapers yeah. that they printed? That security guards read. Like. Right. <laughs> Um, but so this leads me into my one of my favorite notes that I have here is so he's he's learning that he just discovered that aliens have uh, linked in ancient or linked to ancient Egypt and that he's unlocked an intergalactic portal discovered in Egypt in the twenties and he's not phased at all. Oh no, he's just like he's just like oh yeah, this is what this is, and everyone's just mm -hmm. cool. Everyone though, Kurt Russell, who's like the military leader, is like. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a portal between uh, Earth and another planet, like across the galaxy. Yeah. And so then they instantly. I'm here to regulate it because I'm from the military. You have to say the first like activation of the Stargate, I was still just like that holds up really well. That was dope. Oh, In yeah, terms of like the looks great. of it, right? The Stargate holds up really well. Yeah. The very next scene where they actually go through the Stargate, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> but that well, first activation right. of the Stargate was phenomenal. So they so they open up this intergalactic portal from this ancient artifact that they discovered in Egypt, and immediately do an expedition 
trip into the portal. Well, this is well, another no, first, they they send send a, the... first they send a drone. They send, like, a robot oh, in right. there. They lose contact with the robot. The portal shuts down. And they're like, okay, well, we're not gonna do this mission because we don't know if we can come back. We need, like, a reconnaissance thing to make sure that we can get back. And James Spader sees that the symbols on the Stargate on the other side are different, but he's sure that he can translate them, that he can figure out a way to open the portal on the other side, and that's why he goes on the expedition with the military guys. Which, oh my god, I just want to say, that was the dumbest, most convoluted way of having them end up <laughs> stranded on the other side, where he's like, oh! I just thought this tablet would be here! Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> First of all, like, why wouldn't you say, I will need the tablet in order to translate this on the other <laughs> side? Like, that should have been the first thing you said. Like, right. okay, if there's a tablet on the other side, then I can translate this, knowing that you needed the tra tablet to translate it in right. the first place. But no, he's just like, yeah, I can get us back. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and they go in not prepared at all. No. They're going to another fucking they're going planet. To another and they're dressed planet. like they're going, what, through a forest for a day, maybe? Well, no, they're kind of dressed in, like, deserty gear. No, but they're, they're in green fatigues, and they're going, like, I don't know. It just seems so, uh... <laughs> I do have to say, there was one little detail that I had noticed, and I was like, oh, that's actually a really cool small thing that no one probably cares about, but I thought was pretty cool, where they do, like, a close-up on James Spader's hands, mm. and his, like, fingernails are, like, kind of, like, long. And yeah, I noticed and that, too, like, James Spader's long-ass fingernails. And I was like, that. that's actually, like, a really cool thing for, like, this guy, like, he's probably been shut in this bunker for, you know, at least two weeks at this point. Like, his fingernails are, like, long and fucking scraggly, and he's, like, some science guy who doesn't really give a fuck, so... Oh, and I thought it was a really cool, like, little tiny detail that I don't know if it was intentional, but if it was... It was probably just James Spader not cutting his nails. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and his nerdy, like, being a nerdy scientist thing is just so heavy-handed, because, like, he's like, I get allergies when I travel, and so since he's traveling to another planet, he's <laughs> constantly he's, like, sneezing. sneezing. There's, like, a comedic bit where all the military guys are, like, lined up in a row, and it's, like, the tight military gent, and uh, Kurt Russell's like, if anyone wants to say anything, now's the time. And then James Spader is just sneezing. But you uh, talking about that as James Spader being like the nerdy guy brings up one of the things I wrote down, which is I really am enjoying seeing this James Spader because it's so different from the James Spader that we have now. Where like everything James Spader does now, he's like the calculating bad guy. Like there's a TV show where he's just the calculating bad guy, and he's Ultron, and there's like no, I actually like all he's done yeah, for the last like true. ten years. I did like him in this movie. I oh yeah, I think he's great. Very yeah, he much enjoyed been him. Way worse. The person I really hated in this movie more than anyone was French Stewart. I like, know. I fucking hate I, like not but, even like not even like I understand that I'm supposed to hate his character. Yes, but like I hate the fact that his character. character was even in this movie. But like, it, it wasn't just his character in this movie. It was it was jarring for me that it was French Stewart. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> at first I was like, wait a minute, is that French Stewart? And I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, that is French Stewart. That was French Stewart. That yeah. was French Stewart. Holy shit. Yeah. And it was. French Stewart before uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Was right, it? Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he hadn't found his pacing yet. Oh, um, and also, I love how when they get there, it's like, let's one-up Star Wars. We'll have three moons. Like, I just yeah, felt like that no. was just well, like... I, oh, just, I thought that was kind of cool. I know. I'm not saying it wasn't cool, but it totally felt just like, we'll just do one-up on Star Wars and put three moons on this planet yeah. instead of, like, having the two. Right. You know, <laughs> it, it was a, definitely a play on Tatooine and... 
blah blah blah. Um, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that after watching Arrival, how easy it was for Spader to communicate with a poor, uneducated peasant girl, and within a matter of. But they did explain that, and I felt like that actually was fairly well explained because if they're saying that Egypt, the Egyptian language came from these aliens. And that these aliens took okay. this language and to this it, other planet as well. It's just a different dialect or pronunciation. Yeah, it of takes him like having to communicate with them through the symbols and all that stuff. And then he just he says something like, "It's I just have to learn how the vowel sounds work." Right, and then you can. So wait, so, sorry, so sorry. We're getting away from the synopsis. Um, they go through this portal. Um, stupid shit happens. They stumble upon a city of. Like peasant workers, of, they're yeah, miners. Like, they're mining stuff. Space Egyptians, right. basically. Space it's Egyptians like, mining. Like space, space Egyptian oil. slaves. Right. Um, space Egyptian slaves who are led by Eric Avari, mm-hmm. who is one of those character actors who's in everything. <laughs> he has a hundred and forty-seven credits on IMDb. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> so yes, they end up there. All the military guys end up at this village, and the villagers are kind of helping them out. And uh, they're trying to communicate with them and figure out what the heck is going on. And, and, and can... these these uh, villagers like think that they're gods or that they were like sent, sent by the gods yeah. uh, because they like are different. And Jim Spader has the necklace that has the symbol of Ra on it. And... I think that's really the only thing is the yeah. fact that he has the symbol is what to them signifies that he's been sent by Ra. Right. And so they kind of treat him as a deity, and uh, he meets up with this concubine i guess with this woman who i refer to throughout the rest of the movie as the impossibly beautiful woman oh yeah because like she's like a peasant slave girl in like space egypt and yet she is just stunningly gorgeous well, and, and like, I'm perfect like, skin and like she's both of all, yeah well and also i'm like she is literally like the lightest person in the entire yes. planet <laughs> there's so no way that two people like mating on that planet would produce someone that light <laughs> with those bright of eyes because everyone else is she like has... at the very like lightest shade of like a, like a north like egyptian yeah. arab like Everyone type, else and has she is like, like dark, almost like Spanish, dark oh, brown yeah. to black, like black <laughs> eyes, and she just has these like piercing green eyes. <laughs> but but yeah, he me- he meets up stars. with her, and she's kind of his gateway into starting to learn how to communicate with these people. Right, she leads him to some ruins, and this is another part but that this I is, found. This is after he tries to draw a symbol for um, Eric Avari, like oh, the leader right. guy, but and then Eric Avari like freaks out and like wipes away, and he they discover that like reading and writing is like forbidden in this right. culture and so he then he he hooks up with uh bobo valeria galena and she leads him to um these ruins that happen to be in the same city that they're in and this cracks me up because the ruins have the keystone for him to figure out how to open up the stargate right to go back to earth why the fuck would Ra just leave that in the city with the villagers? Don't you think that he would like have some sort of control on like an intergalactical gate? Especially back to the... I mean, later on it's revealed that there was a riot on Earth and stuff, so you yeah, think that, that he that's would... that's why uh, the gate on Earth was dismantled. Right. was because they revolted against his uh, like controller people. and Yeah, that doesn't make any I, sense. I just thought that he would... Um, Try to have a handle but on that. But those so. ruins also could tell, like, tell the story about that happening on Earth and about how right. why these people are here is that an alien who was, like, the last of his race, uh, like, came to this planet. Well, yeah, so... And he 
took I, over the body of like a boy. Here, I, actually, I wrote it down. Oh, okay. In a pretty this, simple this, bullet this could point. Be way <laughs> than me trying to. So yeah, the, the story of of Ra uh, essentially breaks down to Ra is the last of a dying race, and what he does is he lands on Earth and sees that humans are ideal uh, vessels for him to create or to to inhabit. So he creates civilization in order to fuel this life chamber so he can keep healing this body that he's taken over. And he sends some other people from Earth to this other planet to mine these uh, minerals that he uses to fuel this life chamber. And so essentially what happens is while Ra is away on this other planet that the Stargate leads to, Earth rebels and just and buries their Stargate. So, so basically this movie is Jupiter Ascending? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so then he comes back to this other planet and then like locks that down their civilization, takes away reading and writing from them, and then this is and then this is where like this story starts off with them finding the Stargate on Earth at the beginning of this movie. I checked out through all of that. <laughs> uh, I, I I kind of got the gist of it. I didn't get like that stuff about the minerals like fueling his thing but I knew like the thing about the revolt and him like using human bodies to like uh, as a a vessel and all that stuff but yeah you understood that way better <laughs> yeah I um, and, and this leads me to a point um, I thought this was gonna wake up like a shit ton of a nostalgia for me but I don't remember any of this movie except for one of the last lines in it and that's Give my regards to King Tut, asshole. I wrote that down. <laughs> I just remember saying that a lot. <laughs> so, anyways, after he figures out the keystone, um, they start to tango with Ra himself. Yeah, well, Ra lands on the planet, right? And he starts kind of terrorizing the the miners and stuff. And so I feel the... like, sorry, I feel like Ra is evil Doctor Who. Like he's just like travels around the pl- like travels around space. Apparently, he's the last of his race, and he just, like, takes all these people in his giant pyramid... Spaceship? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. But he also, uh, he's... So, the half of the military guys are have been, been left behind at base camp outside of the pyramid that they arrived in, and they get captured by Ra's, um, kind of soldiers, <laughs> who are... They have, like, that kind of dog head, like, Egyptian thing that's on, like, the sarcophaguses, but those are, like head mask like helmet things that are impossibly cumbersome oh my god yeah. like they would be the biggest disadvantage well, for a warrior all, to be wearing this thing where their head is the eyes would be at the solid base of the neck because like the the way that the, they come up it's like the neck is where their head is and then it comes up another like foot and a half and then has these like glowing eyes, but their head would be nowhere near that. Like no, their actual no, eyes right. would be nowhere near and, and, that. And to watch the actors walk around with these things <laughs> on, it's like, oh my god, they're gonna tip over any second. Yeah. <laughs> the actors, um, one of whom is revealed to be a very young Jaiman Huntsu. I don't know who that is. Jaiman Huntsu, he's the oh, guy yeah, from uh, Amistad. Amistad. Yeah. Um, oh. But he's also in a bunch of stuff now. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in Furious Seven. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like, really, really young, fresh-faced Jaiman Huntsu is yeah. one of the, the like, soldier guys. Um, so then they go to um, try and confront or Kurt Russell and James Spader and them um, go to the ship, and they kind of get captured by Ra as well. 
Um, so we also neglected to mention that Kurt Russell's secret mission this entire time is to blow up the Stargate on this side with the giant bomb, which... Which I don't think that's been revealed yet, but... No, it, he has the bomb at the beginning of it, because he, yeah, oh, like he has the switch. It, right. yeah. But they don't explain it until But he's later. obviously up to well, something. Well, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so when they, when they go to this place, they realize that the bomb has been taken by Ra. And it turns out that he's going to send this bomb back through the Stargate with mineral with the with minerals. With the minerals, which will increase the destructive power of the bomb by 100%. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I thought it was 100-fold. Isn't that the same thing? No, no that's times 100. Times, oh, yeah, so 100% times is just double. 100. So, yeah, so times 100, the destructive power of the bomb that they sent through. Um, during the first, like, encounter with Ron, his guys, James Spader, is, like, shot with their... Um, spear gun laser thing um i like that weapon no i like that weapon too i think it's pretty cool it was like a swiss army staff but then uh everyone else is just kind of thrown into like a prison cell which is just like a hole in the ground filled with water and uh, (laughs) for some reason (laughs) and but james spader is revived in the um like sarcophagus life machine and he's the only one who can communicate with Ra because he's the only one who has learned the language. And Ra like explains to him this whole thing. I'm gonna send the bomb back through. Like it's gonna be so much more destructive and all this stuff. Um, I will also point out that Ra is played by Jay Davidson, who is in The Crying Game and this, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't get why Ra cares. Well, because Ra is like pissed off that he was like that the humans on Earth rebelled against him. So it's just like, a thousand year old grudge. Yeah, yeah. The, like the humans on Earth rebelled against him and like kicked him out of Earth and all this stuff, and so that's why he's gonna. De- and he's also mad that they came here trying to destroy him. They like they were like he thinks that the bomb was there to destroy him, not necessarily to destroy the Stargate, or at least yeah. that's what he says. He says you came here to destroy me, they, which they, they find out, which they find out was not necessary no. at all to even no. do right. any of this. They, they they technically could have come to a diplomatic solution to this whole thing, and like I mean, Rock could have been like, yeah, just close the gate and go back home and see ya. Yeah, I'll just you know? keep doing I'll what just I've been doing I'll for keep the last using thousand these years. Space Egyptians to mine my minerals <laughs> to fuel my to fuel Lazarus my, pits. My, yeah. Jupiter, <laughs> my Jupiter ascending. <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. So um this is this movie okay, let's wrap this up because I got some like overall notes that I want to kind of cover. So they what, they fucking basically just overthrow Ra. Well yeah, so yeah, essentially at the same time what's well, happening while they're in the pyramid is that the people in civilization are slowly realizing that their god is not quite as much of a god Thanks as to they the realize. Kids. Thanks yeah. to the kids. And yeah. I really like the kids in this movie. They could have been terrible and annoying, and they were not. They weren't. No, they they were the kids good. are one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're kind of realizing that they don't have to live this slave-like existence and stuff, so they're going to... They're planning to kind of revolt, but they need the help of the military guys and James Spader. Um, Ra tells James Spader that he has to kill the other humans or else he'll, like, he will be destroyed himself. Right. So James Spader is like out on the steps of the pyramid and he's like Kurt Russell and all the guys are there and James Spader has the weapon and he's about to turn it on Kurt Russell and the kids are like flashing the lighter that Kurt Russell gave them into his eyes so that he can see and then they show him that they've got the guns and so he turns around and fires at Raw and there's this whole giant battle that ensues. Right. And they escape back to the village and then they you know get attacked by some space planes uh <laughs> some space planes some space planes by you know raw and his henchmen and 
I think they shoot down one somehow. No, you know? they don't. It's it's the most infuriating thing. No, they just... Uh, okay, so what happens is... <laughs> they're... Also checked out of this. <laughs> they are... James Spader and, a, like, Kurt Russell and a few guys are inside the pyramid ship fighting. Right. Everyone else is outside of the pyramid ship being slaughtered <laughs> by these two space planes that are flying around just destroying them because they have no air support. There's nothing they can no, do. right. But then one of the army guys just goes, hey, 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 and, like, goes, like, to surrender. And the Egyptian guys just land and just get out to be like all right now we're gonna do now we're gonna kill you like you already had them all killed there's yeah. nothing they could there's no they way for them, flagged to, them down? They just, yeah they just flagged them down and they just decide to land <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> roland never probably just put himself in this position he's like oh shit they don't have any air support there's no way there's they can shoot no down these way. planes well, um, another i feel like another moment for him like that was like we need to kill the love interest to give the main character motivation to do something amazing right and then just like immediately turn around and bring her back to life with the life chamber. But it's like, she dies, they're outside of the pyramid, he gets all the way into the pyramid, into the life chamber without a single guard. That's right. Like, stopping him with no one. Well, like, that's it's because it's Ra and two dudes and that's it. Well, Ra has already killed one of his guards for failing to find <laughs> um, all these guys after that first battle where they ran away. And Ra just like has a brain melting amulet or something that right. he uses to I gotta say Ra's costumes were dope oh no the costumes in this movie like this movie like it looks awesome it's it is very much a Roland Emmerich movie like it's full of like a lot of really good spectacle like it cost 55 million dollars oh, in 1994 yeah. Yeah. and like all of it is on screen but it's it's dumb. It is dumb. Like it's just it's very dumb. <laughs> they, well, it's funny because like they also because as he's going to bring her back to life, the bomb is counting down. Yes, it's like in the last minute of the bomb, he takes her, puts her into the life machine, and literally like faster than it takes to like make toast, she's alive again. <laughs> and she's then... alive. And this is one of the other things that drove me nuts was while she's being revived, it's just James Spader and Ra at this point because the last henchman is down below fighting Kurt Russell and Ra starts melting James Spader's brain and it's like I'm like oh it's gonna be a cool moment for the girl where the girl is gonna like save James Spader from nope. Ra nope uh, Kurt Russell defeats the henchman below and then Kurt Russell is like with nothing the you know kind of apropos nothing in a badly directed action sequence but he's like sending back up the head of the henchman and Ra gets distracted for a second by that and James Spader gets away. Yeah. And right. he's able to like roll around, get him and the love interest back into the lift and they go back down. Right. At which point James Spader and Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell's trying to disarm the bomb at this point but yeah. he can't for whatever reason. Because he lo because Ra locked it to where it wouldn't. Oh yeah. Ra like tampered with the bomb to make it so it won't. And so literally in the last 30 seconds so within the last 30 seconds of the movie, or like the last 30 seconds of the bomb, James Spader's come back down with the love interest. They're together. Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell realizes like they should send the bomb back well, up. Kurt Russell <laughs> and James Spader say at the same time, 
I've got an idea. Yeah. And so literally within the last 30 seconds, like, the pyramid is well, still on the, the ground. At this point, it's like the last 10 seconds. Yeah. The, they send the bomb back up to the ship, and the bomb is at like five seconds, and it's counting down. And but this is what I'm saying, is like, at that 30 seconds, the ship was still on the ground. When they send the bomb up at 10 seconds, the spaceship is out of the atmosphere. Right. It's, yeah. like, yeah. it's, it's literally, it's literally yeah. like less than 20 seconds, and the yeah. ship is like... Out of the fucking and it's a giant pyramid. And <laughs> well, guys, you don't know what kind of alien technologies like secret alien god races have. Come on, let's be fair. Yeah, um, but what but do you know, Craig? I mean, it's, it's the exact ending of Independence Day. Yeah, it's right. the exact ending of it Independence is. Day. They send the bomb up to the mothership. They have this same shot of the alien seeing the bomb on the mothership and like getting like this little angry expression on the alien ah, face, so and then the alien ship blows up. It's the exact same ending. Yep, sure is. Not nearly as good though, and that's not saying anything because <laughs> yeah. Independence Day well, is not really. And, a and good that's movie. one of those things. Like this is one of Roland Emmerich's best movies. Like this and Independence Day and. That's kind of saying a lot about Roland Emmerich. <laughs> <laughs> but this one does have a zombie love story element to it, so yes. there's that. But then, I guess. Uh, just to finally I mean, they were both up. dead and they came back to life. All right, all right. Uh, good has won the day. We've blown up the alien ship. The slave people are no longer slaves. Uh, Kurt Russell and the army guys are going to go back to the Stargate. And James Spader is going to stay behind and live in space Egypt with his new wife. Hey, man, he has no family back home. He got evicted, and he had all of his bags on him. Why would he go back? I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, they, that was clearly established at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, well, yeah, they were, they were very much trying to say, like, by the end of this movie, he's not You're right, he's not going back. But, like, yeah. the, the whole thing you is the idea is, is Kurt Russell's not coming back, because Kurt Russell is suicidal and has nothing to live for, but by the end, Kurt Russell, I guess, has decided he doesn't. Doesn't he still have a wife? He does still have a yeah, wife. Yeah, but, but you see in, like, that early scene that they're kind of estranged, there's a lot of strain on their relationship because of the death of the son, like... The, but, so what you're saying is he probably would have been better off if he'd stayed and blown himself up. Well, no, because <laughs> he decides that he does have something to live for. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I have there is no arc for his character that tells us like there's something has changed and now he's not suicidal or doesn't have anything to live for anymore. But yeah, if anything, he should have stayed there and like taken care of the like, kids, raised all those kids, and, yeah, because right. well, he like totally made that the connection. Best scenes are the scenes with him and the kids. Yeah, like. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. And, and what's even more frustrating about this is that, so I did research on, because I'm just fascinated that this kicked off a series, and then like several TV movies, and then that series kicked off another series, and then that series kicked off another series, and and it's just a strange phenomenon, because they retcon that as soon as Kurt Russell gets back to Earth, he divorces his wife. So there's <laughs> so really wait, no... this is from the show? Yes! Cause yeah, I mean, in the show, he pretty much like lives on that base. Yeah. Is, is Kurt Russell on the show? No, no. it's not Kurt Russell. Oh, oh God, no. okay. It's someone else. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would be shocked. It's Colonel O'Neill. <laughs> it is still Colonel O'Neill, but it is not played by Kurt Russell. <laughs> that would be shocking. It was like, oh yeah, Kurt Russell was in the first two like seasons of that TV show. He, he just loved Stargate. I, I couldn't get him off the set. I mean, it was it was weird. Um, I want to point out that okay, so we are all fans of how did this get made and. Um, we get together kind of on a weekly basis and watch the shitty movies that How Did This Get Made watches. And so we just recently watched Escape from L.A. This movie 
came out two years before Escape from L.A. That is astonishing. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Like, isn't that just amazing? <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Like, no, like, like let's get production-wise, this production movie looks wise, so much better this movie than looks Escape from L.A. A times better than Escape from oh, L.A. Oh, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy shit. This movie has one of those tropes from movies and TV that I hate, which is they just, in movies and TV, people think it's like just super easy to rip a necklace off of someone. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just like grab a necklace and go, yeah, and necklace comes off, the person's totally fine, their neck doesn't get jarred towards you. Right. And, and the like, chain can still be used after. Yeah, and like the chain is, is perfectly usable. It's like, no, th th that's a chain, and even the clasp is still pretty strong. Yeah. Like, that's not how right. that even if And if you did pull it off, like the clasp would still be broken, and you would not be able to get it back on. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the, uh, or hate, the stupid taste like chicken thing that was so rampant throughout the 90s that they oh. also put in this movie when they're eating the weird well, eating isn't, that a, isn't that a pitch to Indiana Jones doesn't that happen in Indiana Jones in, in uh, Temple, Temple of Doom it yeah. was all over the 90s uh, I know that I for damn sure uh, I'd have to watch Temple of Doom and I also love the uh, I don't think you should be eating the food scene and it's like dried mango <laughs> it's like yeah right I think he's fine <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I got some stats on this movie. Um, as Colin said, uh, budget fifty-five million dollars. You guys know what the opening weekend was? I don't know the opening weekend. I know the worldwide gross and the U.S. gross. All right. So opening weekend, sixteen point six million dollars. This wow. movie was pretty successful, I think. Um, I mean, that, that sounds like a good opening weekend to me. Um, worldwide, one hundred and ninety-six million. This was a yep. phenomenal worldwide success. Well, that's how Huge. I got yeah, shows Huge. and not, movies. And... Not as big as Independence Day, which cost 75 and made 811 Oh, wow. That's slayed. Mm. Oh, I want to kind of talk over about this phenomenon. That of um, So the, the TV series that come off of Stargate, it's reminiscent of like this thing. I can't really put a name to it because I really don't think there's a name to it. But this television, especially in the late 90s, was just rife with these series. Um, and they were all aired on Channel 2, and they then they would just crank out episodes. And there would be, they would have like eight seasons of like Hercules or oh, yeah. Xena Warrior Princess or like Jack of All Trades Beastmaster. or Beastmaster or fucking Stargate SG-1. Or, I, I'm a little bit older, but do you guys remember C-Lab? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or Sequest. 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 That was the show. That's the... Like, Sequest. Cleopatra yeah. I mean, 2525. So oh, my I remember God. That. Yeah. And, like, and, and I, 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 I catch them in the summer when I was at a school, you know, and I'd, like, be bored on my brain watching these shows that are just making me even more bored. And I'm just, like, thinking... I'm an impressionable, like, teenager. I can get into this sci-fi shit, and this shit sucks. Who the fuck is watching this? <laughs> and they just kept on coming out. I mean, this series had, I think it was, like, three movies that came out, and fairly recently, I think the, what was it, Stargate Atlantis started off in, like, 2008 and ran for, like, maybe two seasons or something like that, and then uh, just a few years ago, in, in, I think it was 2011, they came out with a Stargate Atlantis movie or something like that. It was Well, I mean, I feel like the thing with that was they were... I think they were definitely targeted towards younger audiences because they would usually come on like, right after Saturday morning cartoons. Okay. It would be like Saturday morning cartoons, and then depending on the channel, there would either be 
it would either gap between infomercials into that, like an hour of infomercials before that, That's or it would right. be like that and then infomercials right after that. Yeah. So it, it was very much like still like as much as they were kind of adult themed, they were still very much geared toward younger audiences because I, they would come on right after those Saturday morning cuts. I think it's very much geared towards like the young adult audience. Right. It, it's just this whole like I mean, it totally makes sense that you're obsessed with this movie when you were like nine. Right. Because if if I was nine and I saw this, I would be obsessed with it too. Like, oh, it, yeah. It, it's not a, a bad movie. It's just not a good, good movie. <laughs> and it, But when you're a kid, you don't care. When no. you're a kid, you would just be like, oh, the costumes are so cool, and like there's some cool concepts right. in it's it. Got, it's, like, got it's got Egypt action. It has, it's got, it has aliens. It has, a, it has a freaking portal across the galaxy. You yeah, know? I mean, there's a lot of really cool it stuff in this movie. It has fucking Kurt Russell, and he yeah. slays in it. Oh, uh, in well, my opinion. Kurt, Kurt Russell is great in everything. Yes, but I mean, after watching this, I can tell how bored he was with Battle uh, or Escape from L.A., because yeah. I, I felt like he was having a lot more fun in Stargate. I have just a couple other things. I noticed one um, kind of dumb piece of ADR that I think had to be put in after. Uh, it's where they're getting ready to like infiltrate the ship or something, and the um, one of the military guys is clearly handing James Spader a gun and says, "Here." And then they cut away, and it's like a, a far away shot of them like kind of hunkering down and just ADR'd over it is, you might need this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might just been like a test thing where like, we didn't get that they handed him a gun when he said here, so they just ADR'd in, you might need this. Well, it's like, it's just how Roland Emmerich does movies, or it's just, you yeah. know, oh, you didn't get the obvious heavy-handedness that Kurt Russell's depressed about his kid that's dead? Yeah. It's like, we'll tell you why, you know? And Oh, yeah. I also love the, uh, there's this character pops up in movies every once in a while. I don't know if it's necessarily a trope per se, but it's the character that's so ugly that you know that they're just around so they can be an emotional death right. later in the right. movie. Yeah, and it's like the, that one, that kid, one kid, just like, kid with the like really wide nose and the crazy eyebrows. Right? Yeah, who was like they made him up to look like particularly like ugly, right. so they could kill him at so the they end could and kill, have him be like they could kill him off and like and be like, oh, he's our motivation. Like he's the one that's gonna rally us behind this right. cause. It's like here's this, here's this game of downs. <laughs> you know who's gonna die in a bit? Yeah, in, in Act Three, who's gonna die? <laughs> the kid with downs. <laughs> My one other thing that I wrote down is that there's a scene where Kurt Russell promotes smoking to kids. Well, <laughs> he doesn't does, really. But he doesn't. But he, but... he kind of. There is a thing at the end of it. He's like, "Yeah, you're probably right," and he puts out his own cigarette. But he's like, the kid is like fascinated by Kurt Russell and Kurt Russell's lighter, and Kurt Russell like gives him the lighter, and then the kid takes a cigarette and like he's just not really smoking it, but just miming right. the things, and then Kurt Russell shows him like. He, like, inhales and does yeah. the whole thing and, like, blows back out and stares at the kid. And then the kid doesn't, he, like, coughs up a lung and he's like, ah! I, like, runs away. I love that kid. I love yeah. that character. Yeah. That kid is might be the best character in the movie. Right. And 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 I, I, I can't remember, but I think that's the one of the reasons why I love this movie as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's a kid and he's a badass. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course you loved him. As I was a like, kid. yeah, I'm kind of like him. Yeah. yeah, that kid is the surrogate that allows you to place yourself in this right. world and to be. Oh, I totally get it. Totally yeah. get it. Um, anything else? Anything else about Stargate? 
I, I would just say once again, I'm I'm glad we got to do this. Was fucking fun. This was yeah. a lot of fun because, and we're not gonna have another chance to talk about Roland Emmerich because his his movies are pretty bad. And yeah. this is a a show where we recommend things, so <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be doing much more from him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, since that wraps this up, I think uh, we should go into some uh, recommendations, right? Uh, but before uh, before we recommend things, I just have to point out that um, Dennis really went all out for this episode. He came with a giant Egyptian headdress to this recording. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you noticed. I, I did. It's been it really was... hot uh, after recording this you know, whole episode. I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost didn't notice it. It was You're saying I have a big head. No, I'm saying I'm saying it was very well done and it was subtle. Like it was, I couldn't. Yeah, thank you, Colin, for pointing yeah, that out. I, I just, you know, hats off. Hats off, Dennis. <laughs> well, well, thank you, thank you. I, I, I appreciate your flowing hair as you represent Kurt Russell today. Yes. Um, as, as you know, my hair changes for each movie. That <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, naturally. Um, I just I just love the amount of detail that you put into that, that giant mane you have. Um, Except Kurt Russell had a crew cut in this movie. God so. damn it. Damn it, Colin, you came as Kurt Russell from Escape from L.A. this week. <laughs> well, well, guys, I, I choose my Kurt Russell hair the way I want to choose my Kurt Russell hair. So. <laughs> and Craig, again, you know, I just really appreciate the effort you put into dressing up as scenery, and your pyramid costume is just absolutely fantastic. I, it, I'm surprised you fit into our studio here. Well, thank uh, you. Actually, if you open up the front door here... Uh, it actually opens up into a full-scale uh, replica of the inside of the sarcophagus from the movie. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually like a cover plate and a stargate in there as oh, well. Oh, damn, that's some well, detail. Yeah. And, and, and it's full, filled with the real-life Jupiter Ascending juice that uh, brings you back to life. <laughs> <laughs> the Lazarus pit. Yes. Yeah. But no. recommendations. Recommendations. Uh, re re recommendations. Um, recommendations. What you got, Colin? Uh, I was going to say, because this movie is a Egypty type of thing, um, if you're into Egypt, I would recommend a novel series. It's called the Amelia Peabody series by Elizabeth Peters. Uh, some kind of fluffy but like really fun novels about a family of Egyptologists around the turn of the 20th century. Right on, right on. Well, mine is, um, I just watched this last night and I really enjoyed it, is Son of Batman. Um, it's a DC comic uh, animated movie. Um, I caught it on Netflix. Looked like it came out in 2014, so two years ago, three years ago, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was it's a it was a animated movie, definitely for adults. Very bloody, um, really cool story. If you're into Batman, I highly recommend it. What well, about you, Craig? Jumping on that Batman recommendation, I would also recommend The Dark Knight Returns, which I specifically recommend that you watch, Dennis. <laughs> I will. Uh, it is fantastic, and the very poorly adapted Batman v Superman movie is very loosely based off of it. Um, really? Yes. Ooh. Very, very loosely based off of it, but it is based... There, there is Batman v Superman in The Dark Knight Returns. That's the... I haven't seen it, but I have read the comic, and the comic is fantastic. Yes. Okay. Cool. I'll check it out. All right. Um, I got... Uh, I want to just do one more thing before we tie off, and that's corrections from last week. Um, I have one. Uh, I realized... <laughs> That uh, I recommended the podcast, How Did This Get Made? But I didn't say anything about what it's about. And How Did This Get Made is a movie podcast where they watch shitty movies and make fun of them. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you're into uh, shitty movie watching, like we are, uh, highly recommend it. 
that's all I got to correct from last week. I have a correction from last week. Um, last week I said Billy Crystal when I obviously meant Tom Hanks. <laughs> I listened to our episode from last week and was yelling at myself this morning going, You idiot! It's Tom <laughs> Hanks! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well I think that'll wrap up episode 5, Stargate. Uh, thank you for listening and please join us oh, next wait, week. But uh, what are we watching next Ooh, week, yes, what Craig? are we watching, Craig? Oh, yes. So my recommendation for the Nostalgia Block is Death Becomes Her. Oh, I'm oh, excited. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Sweet. Uh, I have not seen that movie since I was a child, so I have no real recollection of what it was, but I remember watching it a lot, <laughs> yep. and so let's hope it's good. That's how I went into Stargate. <laughs> so, all right, join us next week for uh, part two of this uh, three-part Nostalgia Block, and that is Death Becomes Her. Hey, thanks for listening to my nostalgia movie, Stargate. Um, before I go, I just have a few announcements for the show. You can find all of our episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT, as well as most podcast listening apps like iTunes or Stitcher. If Twitter is your thing, you can follow the show on Twitter at WantYouToWatchThis with the letter U and the number 2. I don't really know what I'm doing with Twitter, so uh, bear with me. Uh, also, uh, join in on some movie talk on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash IWYTWT. And finally, write us a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. It helps people find our little show and helps us grow our audience. Thanks, guys, and join us next week for Craig's nostalgia movie, Death Becomes Her.